We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. Hey, it's um, challenging times at the moment, isn't it, as Queensland opens up and we all have questions. We have more questions than we have answers. But God doesn't have any questions, does he? He has the answers. And just as we get to the Word today, just talking about some of these areas, when, when you ask the question, make sure you ask the right question because we get stuck in asking the wrong questions. Let me pray and then I'll get into that. Lord, today I really pray, Holy Spirit, we need to hear you. We so much want you to speak to us. Open up our hearts. Let us hear your voice. The people that just really need a touch of you today. So I pray, Lord, that you would absolutely touch people's hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in life, everyone's trying to find joy. Everyone's after happiness. And uh, at times we're happy if our circumstances are good. If our circumstances aren't, hey, we aren't happy. And there's this debate, the debate that goes on in Christendom. There's one camp that says, and it's a rising popularity, this, um, for obvious reasons, but the promises, the promises of God are a life that is um, beyond suffering, that if we just trust God and we just worship Him and we believe and we proclaim whatever and we declare that that God is good and God is faithful all the time, we can live in the fullness of the Kingdom of God right now. We don't have to be sick. We don't have to be poor. We don't have to be hurting. Victory is ours all the time and there's no suffering at all. And people believe that and, and people aim for that and they think when they suffer, what is wrong with me? I don't have the faith to lift up to that point. On another camp, on the other camp, we often have the reaction to those bold claims. And this other camp tries very hard to say, no, the promises of God are mostly for later. The healing, the breakthrough, the victory is later on after you die. In heaven, it's gonna be great. They advocate that this position is um, very dear to the saints, so let's aim towards heaven, but we must suffer and go through so much on this planet till we get there. What's the truth? What's the truth in all this? Well, I wanna say the truth sits there in the middle as we go to Scripture. I know at Bible college, um, some of my great lecturers always used to say, when when you preach, you can't just preach a verse out of context. You've gotta preach the entirety of Scripture, that it fits throughout Scripture, that it's constant throughout Scripture when you preach something that is constant. So, I want to point out just two things. First of all, the Bible says suffering is guaranteed to the saints. Jesus said to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. Okay, that's what he says. Be aware of that. Okay, James 1.2 says, consider it all joy, brethren, when you, fo- you, uh, you face various trials because the testing of your faith will produce endurance. So it's not saying count it all joy if you face various trials. It's saying when you face various trials, there's joy in the trials. Secondly, it says joy is clearly promised to the children of God in this life. Jesus says to his disciples. Now, 
until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be made full. So there is joy. So what Scripture is saying, there is suffering. We're not exempt from suffering. If you suffer, it doesn't mean that you've done wrong. It doesn't mean that you, you haven't got faith. There is suffering in life. But also Scripture is saying there is joy. Now on the scale, we got suffering right down there and we seem to have joy right up that end. But what happens is I read Scripture and I look at Scripture and I look at some great men of God. Somehow they brought the two together and have managed to realise that even though our circumstances are difficult, there can still be joy above our circumstances. It's not an either or situation. It's a God layers them together to give us the strength and give us the power that um, we really need. I believe that a great deal of breakthrough and healing is available in life. I believe that God can do miraculous, mighty things, and He does. And I've just shared some of those things from Christmas at Life Point. I believe that God is able to restore. I believe that God is able to, to raise up the, those who are sick. I believe that God is our healer, restorer. He's the one that, that gives us direction and gives us hope. There is absolutely nothing that God cannot do. But the joy isn't rooted in what God does. The joy is rooted in who God is and what He means to me. And we've got to be careful in life that we aren't just happy because God has blessed us, but we're happy because we're His and we know Him and we've got the privilege of doing life together. To be in this world, there's confusion, there's times of being uncomfortable and there's times of uncertainty. We like being in control, but at times we aren't in control and we worry about that. And people have got this question. The question they ask God is, if God is in control, why is it like this? If God is in control, why do people f fight with overweight. If God is in control, why do people fight with crime? If God is controlled, why is there murder and some horrendous stuff happening? Why is there hunger? Why is there homelessness? If God is in control, why is COVID-19 out of control? These questions are okay to ask because God is not intimidated by our questions. He is God and He has the answer to any questions that is asked. Let me make a point. God is always in control, but God does not always take control. God is always in control, but God does not always take control. That's God. It's a bit like if I'm trying to lose weight, God just give me a small portion of food today as I have my meal. Who puts the food on the plate? God or me? But sometimes we expect God. God just suffer the food and just give me a little bit. Take control of that God. God, monitor the news that I watched this week that are not paranoid about COVID. You monitor that God and make sure I don't watch too much. Who turns the television on? God or you? God, take control of how much Bible reading I do this week. God, take control of how much TV time I watch. 
who takes control of it's us. So sometimes we're saying, God, we want you to be in control, but really we are in control. So God is always in control, but He does not always take control. Our choices determine the quality of life that we have. It's a bit like this. We've got camera operators here. We've got Darren up here. I can't see. We've got Darren up here and he's operating the camera and he's in control of the camera. He's in control of the camera. But what you see online, he's not controlling. He's absolutely controlling what's going into his camera. But the switch behind him is controlling what's going online. And sometimes that's like us. We are the camera operators and we're saying, God, take control, but we're not giving God much to take control of because we've got control of it and we're not giving him the right pictures. Like if James, if James wants to change the picture, if I race over here, he's got to change his camera to follow me around quickly to try and keep up with me. He is responsible for that but he's got no control over what's going to happen up the back with the pictures that he is wonderfully sending them. (laughs) And that's the same with life. We think, God, you be in control of my life, but we're not giving him the stuff because we're deciding what we eat. We're deciding what's on TV. We're deciding our circumstances. We're deciding where our mind's going to spend most of the week. We are taking control rather than allowing God to take control and use what we are giving him. What then can I do when my circumstances are out of my control and I don't like it? I think most of us are sitting here this morning looking at last week, this week and what's happening in Queensland saying, I don't like it. I don't like it. What do we do? Paul gives us some amazing answers. And it's in Philippians, in Philippians, which is towards the end of his life and towards the end of the journey because Paul had some incredible stuff happen to him, but he also had some non-incredible stuff happen to him. So he's not a guy to say, hey, this is how you live your life. God will just turn up all the time. Yet for Paul, God turned up amazingly. But for other times, he did not turn up at all for him and he had to push through. When he was converted on the way to Damascus, a light shone from heaven. He saw God and said, Lord, what? I'm sorry, I'm persecuting you. What do I need to do? And he got prayed and received his sight and, and that was amazing. A few, a little while later, they were trying to kill him because they thought he was an imposter, being a Christian imposter. So they're trying to kill him. So he had to get out of Jerusalem. Now, someone like Paul, knowing God and knowing God's power, you'd think he'd just say, oh, God's enough. I'm just gonna walk through the gates of Jerusalem and just walk out and God will keep me safe. But no, he didn't do that. At night, the disciples had to get him, put him in a great big basket, lower him down the wall and let him run away to safety. Imagine halfway down the wall, God, you're the God of anything. What am I doing hiding in a basket when I could have walked straight through the gates and not be hurt? Because that was God's plan. God's plan was you do that part yourself. You make those choices yourself and you do it your way. 
It wasn't long before he was set apart. He's doing some amazing things. He's healing people, transforming lives. There's a lame man that he healed. He had a great vision, a call from God. They had to go to Philippi. And there in Philippi, he started to preach the gospel. And that was amazing. And he saw the power of God. Then all of a sudden, this um, girl started following him round who was demon possessed. And he got so annoyed that he cast the demon out. But when he did that, he upset the owners of the girl who were making um, money from that girl being able to tell the future. And then what happened was he was flogged. Now just imagine him, here, I, here am I, Paul, you called me God to Philippi, clearly called me to serve you here, and here I'm being flogged. God, why am I suffering? Where are you right now in the middle of this flogging? But he never asked those questions. He didn't ask the negative questions. He trusted because he realised in life that there will be suffering. There will be times when you, you feel as though you're doing it alone and God is not turning up. But through those times, God is creating in us what He needs us to be for the next season. I think for all of us, there may be a season coming when it's gonna be a bit like that and we're gonna have some questions. I'll get onto those questions a bit later, but make sure you're asking God the right questions in the midst of that. Because he gets thrown in prison and there he's in prison and he determined that he wasn't gonna be down, he wasn't gonna be negative in prison. So he started worshiping God. So worshiping God in prison, great big earthquake and all the doors open up. And he just walks out of prison, another miracle of God. He keeps serving and then he follows God and then all of a sudden um, they want to arrest him again and he ends up saying, well, I need to go to, um, went to Jerusalem and then he appealed to Rome. So he had to go to Rome and on the way to Rome, he was shipwrecked and there on the ship saying, God, just keep us safe. But the ship got wrecked. But God kept him safe. He gets to Rome, finally gets to Rome, ready to appeal. And where does he end up? In prison. And there in prison, he writes this amazing letter to the Philippians, which really shows his heart because he'd been through so much. Read Acts, read Acts, find out more about Paul, but he'd been through so much along the way, ups and downs. His life wasn't like that. He didn't always see the miraculous and the mighty. He had some really deep, dark valleys, but through it all, he knew God was enough and God would take him through no matter what was there. And one Philippians... 12, I just wanna read a little bit. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become known throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in change for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and <clears throat> dare and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. What he's saying is because of his situation, because of the way that he focused on God, because the way that he didn't allow his circumstances to put him down, but in his circumstances, he said, my God is enough. People's lives were transformed and changed. They saw his chains. The church were asking questions. The church was saying, when are you gonna get out, Paul? When are you gonna get out of prison so you come and help us? God, Paul, if you really believe in God, you've seen the miraculous, you've prayed for people, they've been healed. When is the miraculous gonna happen for you in prison? And his answer was, the miraculous has happened because I am content in my chains because God is being glorified. His focus was on him, not him. 
And he said, in the midst of it, my focus is on Jesus and that's enough. And then he heard about other people preaching against him. Here's a great opportunity. Paul's in prison, let's preach against him. So he got all this information coming back to him that people were putting him down, criticising him, saying, look, he's not a great Christian. There he is in prison. But he said, it doesn't matter what other people says. As long as Christ is glorified, that's what matters to me. And we all have that. We have people talk about us, people criticise us, people say stuff about us. It's not what other people say. It's about in the midst of my circumstances is He being glorified. And then He says, yes, I will continue to rejoice. I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I'm going to be delivered. I'm eagerly expecting and hoping that I will be in no way be put to shame, but will be sufficiently encouraged so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in me and through me, in my life or whether I die, that God will be lifted up. You know, for Paul, he asked the right question. So many of us in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of the testing time, we ask the question, why? God, why? Or we ask, what are you doing, God? I think we've all, we've all been there and we've all asked that question. But that question opens up for the enemy to start flying in and tell you every lie under the sun. Once you start looking at other people and saying, God, why are those people not responding to me as they should? Why aren't those people helping me? The moment we involve someone else that we can't control, the devil says, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, why aren't they helping you? Why aren't they doing the stuff they should do? Or we start to say, God, I'm not good enough to go through this. The devil will tell you a 100,000 reasons why you're not good enough. But God just says to you, I love you, I've called you, you are good enough for any tasks that I call you to do and I will absolutely provide for you. When God doesn't give you the answer to your question, ask him a better question. Moses, here's Moses. He had to take all the people across the Red Sea and he said to God, God, what if they don't believe me? What if all these people I've got to lead, God, what if they don't believe me and they don't follow me across the Red Sea? God didn't answer that question because that was a stupid question. God had called him, of course they're gonna follow him. God said, Moses, what's that in your hand? He wasn't interested in what everyone else is saying. He said, Moses, if I'd given you something amazing, that stick in your hand, it can do amazing things, trust me. And my question to you today is, what's God put in your hand? What has God given you for such a time as this? He has called you, you're on this planet for such a time as this. So He has given you everything you need to get through this time. But He needs you to use it. He needs you to glorify Him with it. He doesn't want us to step back, but He wants us to step up. He has given us as a church. Look what He did last week. He gave us a week opportunity, one week's opportunity to preach the gospel to 24,000 people. That is amazing. Look at what God has given you. We cannot control COVID, but we can control our response to COVID. And that's what Paul learned in prison. He could not get out of prison, but he can control his response to where he was 
in prison and that made all the difference to so many people. Three questions we need to ask. What does it matter? What does it mean for me? And what shall I choose? Paul chose so, so wisely in so many different things as he wrote Philippians. In prison, Paul sits there. He realises God is in control. He realises this is an opportunity. And he realised that he was in control of his soul's state, even though he was in control of nothing else. His response is our inner selves, where there's fear, where there's pain, where there's um, uncertainty. Once we take control of that, that gives us strength and direction. Every thought, every thought we have starts with a question. If I fill my heart with fear and say, what if this happens or what if that happens? If I start those questions and start thinking down those lines with those questions, I'm gonna get the wrong answers. But if I say, God, you've called me for such a time as this, I'm on this planet for now, that you are more than enough and you will give me what I need to be the person that I need to be for such a time as this. God's looking for His church. God is longing for His church to stand up and we saw the church stand up last week and what an impact it makes when the whole church together uses a gifts and abilities to make an incredible difference. The main thing is, how do I respond to my circumstances and bring glory to God? God sums it up beautifully through Paul. Just in Philippians, as we look at Philippians, he has given us the choice things. He's in prison towards the end of his life. He's going through so much, but he's absolutely at peace. He knows God's got it. He knows God is in control. He writes Philippians, sends it to the Philippian church because they're asking the question, Paul, when are you gonna get out? When are you gonna get out? When are things gonna change? When are we gonna see you? When is this gonna happen? They were all the wrong questions. The question was, How can God be glorified at the moment? Paul found amazing treasures in prison. Philippians chapter three and four is just loaded with them. Let me say some of these. The treasures he found in prison are simply, forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards my goal, towards my prize, in Christ Jesus. No matter what's going on, I press on. I'm not gonna get waylaid. I'm not gonna get distracted. I'm not gonna ask the wrong questions. I'm gonna press on. There's a goal and I'm aiming for that goal. Philippians 3.20, my citizenship is not here on this earth. It's in heaven. So everything I'm doing now is laying up treasures in heaven because that is where I'm aimed. Philippians 4.1, I stand firm in the Lord. I don't stand firm in the the news I hear or what's on TV. I stand firm in the Lord. He's called me. If He's called me, He's gonna equip me. He's gonna equip me. He's gonna give me everything I need to be who He wants me to be. 4-4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm gonna rejoice in my circumstances. Not that I like it, but I'm gonna rejoice because I know God is still God. God is in control, even though He may not have taken control, but I trust Him and I know that He can do all things. 
Then in 4, 6, he says, I'm not gonna be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but with everything in prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God and the God of all needs will raise you up in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just and pure, set your mind on these things. Don't set your mind on the wrong questions. Set your mind on the right questions because I have heard to be content in whatever state I am because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And verse 19, my God, my God shall supply all my needs in Christ Jesus. Just one question. Paul, you're in prison. What are you doing in prison? Along the way, you could have just said a couple of words and you wouldn't have had to go to Rome, but you, you stood on what you really believed. Why, Paul? Why? Because it's not about everything else that's around me. It's not about the circumstances. It's not about the prison. It's about Jesus, you called me. You called me to live my life for you. And the greatest thing I can do is serve you and love you. And whatever circumstances come around me, they're there, but my eyes are not gonna be fixed on them. My eyes will be fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of my faith. And by the way, God has got it. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray. God, just to be confident at the moment. God, you've got it. We are confident that you have got it. And my prayer is simply for all of us, Lord, will you work on our hearts not to be heavy, but to be light? Would you work on our hearts, Lord, at times when we suffer to rest in you and not rest in circumstances? God, I pray for people this morning that just really need to lay stuff down, to cast stuff at your feet. I pray that they will. Lord, as a church, we don't know what restrictions, what's gonna happen next week, but God, we cast this at your feet. We're bigger than that because we've got you, God, and you're gonna lead us and you're gonna guide us and you're not gonna let us down. So Lord, every step of the way, every step of the way, we're gonna trust you. And God, we wanna declare, I wanna declare over every single person this morning, God, you're a way maker. You're a way maker. You're gonna continue to make a way. And in the midst of it, we wanna lift you up. We wanna worship you and we wanna honour you in Jesus' name. Amen.